This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 60 of the Healthy Critters Radio on the Horse Radio Network. (laughs) Healthy Critters Radio is brought to you by Biostar US. Find them online at biostarus.com. On today's show, we have a roundtable discussion on ways to reduce our carbon footprint. In Tigopedia, we discuss the differences between insulin resistance and Cushing's disease. In Critter Nutrition, Tigger reviews the debate between the glycemic index and NSC for determining sugar and starch in feeds and hay. And in Coffee Clatch, we share the unusual things we feed our animals. Join us! Patty P? Yes, ma'am. Guess what? What? A new animal has moved into um, the Albemarle Orange Nelson Counties <laughs> of Virginia. Okay. And what is it? It's a koi wolf. What's that? It's a coyote wolf cross. That Are you serious? I'm serious. And they... They they weren't bred by man. They bred themselves in Canada. Wow. And they've been moving south. And what's interesting is one of my friends alerted me to the fact that she said, I've got, we've got koi wolves. And I went, what? She yeah. said, yes. And she called the Department of Agriculture. And they said, oh, yeah, the koi wolves have moved into, you know, along the ridge of the, along the spine of the Blue Ridge. Wow. And she, one of the, the guys that works for her was just mowing, and this koi wolf comes out and stalks him. <gasps> and wow. they think that they've they, there's a den that's close to their house. Okay. And that's why when the guy was mowing around the house, the this koi wolf got so agitated. It didn't attack or anything. It was just skulked around. Oh, wow. I just – Wow. Today, this morning, because we've been hearing these, and we've had coyotes, but we've been hearing different wolfy coyote sounds. They weren't real coyote sounds, right. and they weren't dog sounds, and they weren't total wolf sounds. And we hear them sometimes at night. And then this morning, Peter got up really early with the dogs and went down to one of the creeks, and he heard them. Oh, Wow. And um, the puppy, Wookie, got very agitated and sort of scared. And the big dogs didn't go after them or didn't go towards them, but sort of formed a semicircle like, okay, this is, you know, this is our land. This is the boundaries here. Yeah. Uh, don't come any closer. So, oh, my gosh. Yeah. It's really interesting. Yeah. I just, I just looked them up. Um they're also called wyotes. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Wily wyote. I just think wyote is just something you need to say more than once in your life. Um, I, yeah. A wyote sounds like something cuddly. I know. I, I, yeah. They I don't look like wyote on my couch. Yeah. Yeah. What are you doing? Hanging with my wyote. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Yeah, but that is really fascinating. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. So I'm sure in another season or two, they'll be moving over in your direction. Oh, towards great. <laughs> yeah. You never know. They could, they still could be there. Holy crap. Well, that's, but did, did Peter actually, he actually saw one? No, he actually heard them. Heard them. Okay. But they, they were close. Do I they mean, sound different than coyotes? They do. Wow. That's pretty cool. That's kind of yeah. neat. It's, it's, I, I hope they're having puppies. Yeah. Having little coyote pups. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? Yeah. <laughs> well, it's kind of interesting. I was doing a clinic up and in they're Dallas. Not from Wyoming. Yeah, that's right. Um, and I was talking to this one lady and she was saying that her horse has just been shying at the end of the, of her dressage arena. And she said one time she looked out there and she saw three, um, in a, they're off in the distance, three little bobcat um, cubs. Oh! And she, which is weird because bobcats are really shy. You yeah. know, I mean, they don't tend to do that. And she said, she was just whatever. And she said they were just darling and blah, blah, blah. And then, but the her horse just, she said, well, now I know why they're acting like this. She says, oh, just any day, I'm just going to wait instead. I guess I'll see the the mama bob bobcat. Well, she did see a mama cat, but it wasn't a bobcat. It was a mountain lion just laying at the end of her dressage <gasps> arena. Cleaning, it's good. I was like, oh my gosh, was that just is, unbelievable? Is this in, in Houston? In Dallas, in Dallas. Wow. Whoa. Yeah. No, really cool. Can you imagine? Oh, I would I would give anything to see oh, a mountain I mean, lion. I know, but can you imagine can you imagine being like on a horse and and you know, and there was she said like she he was the horse was just sort of like like you said, sort of agitated, like, dude, we're not going down there. And uh, <laughs> but yeah, kind of cool. So they had she had to clear another area to ride in until they move on. Kind of wow. cool. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it shows you how truly resilient a species can be, even when it's pressed to mm-hmm. extermination. I mean, well, the mountain lions were really severely hunted. Well, and the and other certainly thing wolves were. Sure. The other thing that's so interesting, too, especially being in Texas, it's like parts of where I've lived in Virginia, um, you know, where our family farm is, you know, kind of in the middle of nowhere. Uh, yeah. Yeah, we'd have things show up all the time. But, you know, being in Texas, you just, you know, big, big city, big city, you go out about, oh, even 20 miles. You're in the middle of nowhere. I mean, you are truly in the middle of nowhere, and it goes on for a long time. And West Texas, there's just so many things on just on the outskirts of neighborhoods, you know, like bobcats, like, you know, mountain lions. It's just, it's just interesting how close this life these different lives are without, you know, even. I think it also says a lot about what, how much pressure is on these wild animals that their territories are including, you know, metropolitan areas. Yeah. Um, I mean, because I don't think they really want to be close to humans if they can help, but their, you know, their habitat is being taken over. Yeah. So, wow. Yeah, kind of cool. Well, those yeah, are those are cool, cool stories. Well, maybe you can get some pictures, takes, or maybe you can, if, when you hear them next time, I'd love to hear how different they are. Oh, record them. Yeah. yeah that'd be interesting. Don't record the, the mountain lion. Don't, you don't <laughs> I'm not asking for that. Um, we should give the mountain lion plenty of space. Just yeah. some plenty of yeah. space. <laughs> yeah. 
duly noted. And speaking of space. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I can't wait to hear hear this segue. Go ahead. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, we're going to talk about the carbon footprint. Space and all the environment. Look at you. Yep, right? (laughs) (laughs) All right, well, let's get to it. So on with the show. So today we're going to have a roundtable discussion about uh, the thing, little things that we can do to help the environment and reduce our carbon footprint. Um, and, and the reason this topic came up is that I was talking to an Episcopal minister and she, in Pennsylvania, and she was, she's putting together a, a big Earth Day celebration. And she said, you know, Tigger, I just think people are so overwhelmed that they just need little things mm. that they can do to help make, you know, the earth a, a, a nicer, kinder place to live. Um, and because it's so overwhelming when you think of everything that the earth is dealing with. So that's what got me thinking, you know, for some of us, we just do things. We've been doing little things for a long time. And others are doing, have just started doing little things or doing new little things. So I thought this would be a great opportunity to share, you know, the little things that we can do um, to reduce our carbon footprint. So I'm going to, I'm going to start by the the most, you know, obvious Mm -hmm. is, you know, when you're out of the room, turn the lights off. Yeah. Yeah, that's so funny because I literally just today, every time I go to the bathroom at the barn, there's this one light that always gets left off. And I was walking by and I thought, you know, this it just drives me crazy. It drives me crazy to see this light on. And even when I was leaving today from my house, I have a light, my, an outside light, and it didn't get turned off. And I was, I, it would be so easy to pull away and just turn it off when I got back. I thought, nope, I pulled back in the driveway, I had to go back in the house, go turn it off. I mean, it's, 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 it's such a, I was so raised that way from, from my mother, but that is a very, very good one. And it goes a long way. It goes it a long does. way. It does. Yeah. I, a couple of years ago, started having Carlos days. Oh, really? Yeah, one day a week. It's uh, generally Sunday. Um, clearly, I don't go to church. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, does, isn't that some people, they call this jammy day? <laughs> <laughs> and, um, you know, sometimes I can be so organized during the week that I can actually do two Carlos days, Saturday and Sunday, where I don't get in the car at all. Mm-hmm. And it's amazing what that does in saving your, not only your personal expenditures on gas. Sure. But it's just one less vehicle on the road. Yep. That's a very good point. And it's great. Oh, I bet. And if you plan it too, I mean, that's a thing, but I like that what you said, the, uh, the pastor was saying, because it's there, I think people get so overwhelmed and get in this path of thinking they can't make a little bit of a change, you know, um, you know, by like recycling. I mean, it's been way too easy for way too many years for, you know, when I was raising the kids and had to be at the barn or had to go here, I was just like, I'm just going to, you know, take all of this stuff or like, you know, getting paper plates, you know, for for a quick dinner and just throwing them all in the trash. And, you know, they make it so easy now 
to make these little bit of, of these differences. Um, and I, um, you know, and I have the opportunity to influence, you know, my, you know, obviously only my son is home right now. My girls are gone, but, you know, to just every week, you know, tear up those boxes that, you know, you get from Amazon or whatever and make sure they go in the recycle bin, you know, it's, it's, and it makes me feel good. It it's, and yet here, here's the thing. Only 24% uh, of our trash in the U.S. gets recycled. Mm. So clearly we're not doing enough. And right. and by that, I mean more people aren't – we need more people to participate in recycling. Yeah. And it's such an easy thing to do. And it, yeah. it's, it's not that big a deal, I I, I don't think. Well, where I was in uh, Keswick, you could put out um, it's a single stream, yeah. So yeah, separate it out, which that is makes just phenomenal. Really oh, yeah. I mean that—that's like I looked for stuff to throw out, you know. I mean, because I felt so good, I was like, "This is easy." It is not as easy here, which shocks me because it's obviously a much bigger city. But yeah, I was so impressed by that. But you know, Charlottesville is relatively green, or tries to be green. It is. It is. You know, the other, the other. Another factor is, you know, what do you do with clothes that you don't wear? Mm -hmm. Because they have a very distinct carbon footprint. Oh, that's an excellent point, which I would not have thought of. And um, I I found, this is the second year I've done this, and it's when I get back from Wellington, and I open my closet at home, and I go, okay, (laughs) it's time to go. Yeah, yeah. And um, we take it down to the Salvation Army. Mm-hmm. And the reason that we go to the Salvation Army is that that actually goes to poor people. Right. And um, the other uh, thrift store, I can't remember its name. It's a big chain. Oh, I know which, I know which one. I can't. Uh, hmm. Yeah, I mean, their CEO makes millions and millions of dollars. Mm. Because he's getting all this, you know, he, he's selling things that are donated, like the Salvation Army. But the Salvation Army will, you know, sell you a pair of shoes for a buck. Yeah. Um, so, you know, getting going through your closets and getting things to the Salvation Army is another really important aspect of a little thing that you can do to reduce your carbon footprint. And there's actually mm. locally, you can all frequently find outlets that will take gently used clothing that go back directly back into your local community through um, churches and YMCA's and um, veterans groups where it's not even resold. It's just collected. And then people who use their other services um, have an opportunity. For example, business clothing, they help people who are, Trying yeah, that's to get great. In, trying to get it get get their career started. Well, you need business wear. Mm. Business wear is expensive, and they actually help the people pick it out, make sure it fits right, explain to them how to wear it and how to match things together, so that when they present themselves to a potential employer or the public, once they are employed, they have a head start on all that. So don't discount your local outfits. Ask around. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's a great sure. idea. I never throw a piece of clothing away. Yeah. 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 And the and the ultimate in recycling is leave your cotton socks around and if you've got a dog, it's gonna <laughs> get recycled. Yeah. <laughs> Several times, really. Yeah. Wow. Um composting. Yeah. I yeah, wish I wish more 
equine places would do composting and spreading. You, you yeah, don't see me it, too. You don't see it that much. Uh, I think people get scared because when you Google how to compost, they have this big, long explanation about how to put it and how many times to turn it and what the temperature is supposed to be. And you have to water it every third Thursday and when, on months that end with mm-hmm. Y and put it in a pile, keep it from getting rained on so it doesn't run off, and go from there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. You got to start someplace. Well, I we actually let ours get rained on. Oh wow! Moisture is important in the breakdown of yes, the microbes. But too much rain, like here in Florida. Oh. Yeah, it depends on where you live. You know, there's you have to keep it moist, but you don't want it to. Where we are, if you don't cover it up a little bit, it all just you know it all gets washed away essentially because we have so oh. much rain here. It's kind of tropical that way. Um, but uh, yeah, again, that you know, you call, f- talk to your local um, garden center or your local extension office, or find somebody who's a garden nut and ask them. It's uh, yeah, go- composting is not all that complex, and it's worth a try, in my opinion. And you, you know, with, everything with kitchen scraps and things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, my advice is get some chickens. Chickens I'm, are awesome. I'm, I'm gonna tigs. You and I are going to do a little chicken and shopping. They're, they're just great saying. bug control too. Chickens are I excellent know. bug control, and they're yeah, cute. excellent bug control. And when you've got, they are omnivores, so they will eat leftover meats. Mm-hmm. And oh meats. yeah, they'll eat all kinds of. And in yeah. fact, this is a perfect example of of chicken consciousness. <laughs> On the weekends, the my Aussies get you know big raw organic bones. And Thunder Bear likes to take his outside. He likes to eat his outside. And if the chi- the chickens smell it, right, and they come en masse towards him, oh, no. and he lies there and barks at them like, "Oh God, Tigger, you have to get a video of that. That's that's just sounds stupid, cute. It's it's so funny because they have no chance of taking it away from him, right? But um, yeah, they are they are great for food leftovers if you don't yeah. want to you know turn it to the compost pile yeah yeah i think that's a great idea yeah i always found the chickens in the compost pile good oh good yeah thing. picking through things oh yeah they're great they and they also keep the bugs down because they're eating the maggots and they're eating the insects and it's yeah. awesome and the, yeah. yep they're great. They're great. For and them. even ticks. And they will. They love to munch on ticks. Any little creepy crawly guys. They'll eat lizards here in Florida. So, you know, mm. helps keep the lizard population at an even keel. Yeah. <laughs> great idea. So, it sounds like chickens are a good, a good, a, just a good thing all around. Good thing all around. And the other thing which I found really interesting, which is not something that, um, you know, we could do on a, any of us could do unless we're really artistically inclined but there is a company, a little com- company of, of an artist, and what she does is she goes to the beach and she collects the plastic, oh, and yeah. she makes amazing jewelry out of plastic with uh, recycled silver. Oh, wow. And it's called Nurdle in the Rough. Oh, wow. Dot com. And if you go to her webpage, she makes these, you know, earrings. 
And if you click on an earring, it will show you the piece of plastic it was made from. Oh, that is so a cool. Detergent bottle, um, a piece of green basket, a green jug, a yellow. And this is all stuff that just washes up on the Hawaiian beaches. Wow. Um, so we, I actually bought a pair of her, her, um, earrings and you wouldn't know that it's made, the centerpiece is made from plastic. Oh, that's so cool. But again, it's a great way to, you know, reduce the plastic footprint by supporting artists like this. Yeah, that's pretty neat. You keep finding ways for me to shop. (laughs) <laughs> oh, I know. Well, I I really thought this whole discussion was going to be brought up today because she found another place to get shoes. So, <laughs> but gladly that wasn't the direction. But of course, it is Joey. She is a a, a fashionista. This you need to know. Only in my dreams. <laughs> uh, I think you're quite a little fashionista. Well, I've got a great. So, one. if if, um, if our listeners have other great tips on the little things that we can do you know water is a big thing yeah i, I stopped taking shower uh, baths mm. we're on a well and um it's just it's a lot of water yes it is yes um so i've kind of stopped bath taking unfortunately um and you know, keeping your your air conditioning and and heating filters clean mm-hmm. that makes a huge difference. We have a tiny little house, and you can actually feel a difference in the airflow if the if the filter is dirty. Mm. Yeah, and you have to you have to get the right filter for the um, system you have. Yeah, if you go if you have a, a a forced air system, there are a million and one different kinds of filters, and you can restrict the flow of air and make your system work a lot harder using more electricity if you have the wrong kind of filter in there. So check that out, people. You know, our filter is washable. Yeah. Yeah. Ours, oh, yeah. ours doesn't fit the washable kinds. It's kind of a old school, I guess. And that's great because you just pull it out, yep, hose it off, take the hose it to in. it, stick it back in. Yeah. Again, saving the planet because you're not having to away. throw away those those filters. Yeah. Yeah, really. Yeah. Now, I got a good water one I got to tell you about. Oh, what? This yeah. Is, this is a recent discovery. Have you ever heard of a rain garden? No. Or a drain, oh, sometimes oh, called drain garden gardens. Oh. No. Whenever you have an area that that receives runoff from the roof, from your wash stall. We've all seen it. The wash oh. stall. There's always this oh, yeah. oozy green ooh, ah, uh, outside the wash stall, right? We use a lot of water there. Well, there's something called a drain or rain garden. And what you do is you take that depression where the water runs off and you remove some of the soil and you backfill it with drainable soil if you've got really clay soil. But then you fill it with native plants, preferably perennial. Oh, wow. So what happens is as that water runs off, the plants suck it up and make it into plant rather than um, stuff that shouldn't be running off into the, um, the neighborhood. Driveway. The driveway, or... the neighborhood at large, goes into the plant and it filters it and cleans it. You get plants too. Um, but it, 
also keeps it from making puddles where mosquitoes and other bad guys live. Oh, wow. But even, mm. even for your driveway, like if you have a driveway that drains and you tend to get a wet spot where your driveway mm. is, where you put, mm-hmm. you put it where that wet spot is, and it's called a rain garden or drain garden. And all you have to do is Google rain garden. They're great instructions on how to do it and it's really not complex and if it's naturally occurring a lot of us have undulating terrain and you have a natural area that takes Mm -hmm. runoff for example near a pond it runs off when you have heavy rains and then ends up in the pond yeah in the meanwhile it's got that running area that creates a bit of a a drainage ditch kind of a thing yep it will help keep that from eroding and it also keeps the water from standing because the plants are busily sucking it up. So, again, you don't have erosion and you don't have um, water going where it shouldn't. You don't have mosquitoes. And you don't have to mow it because it's not grass. It's plants. And you use the native wow, species. Wow. You don't need to fertilize them. You just put them in there once and you're kind of done. And you get butterflies and bees because they're flowering. Butterflies and bees oh, are wow. good. Yeah. So that is good. I'm totally in love with the drain garden and I'm going to post it on my Facebook page because I want to have a drain garden at our house. I think it's because obviously we're in Florida. We have a lot of drains, drainage problems here. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Cool. Cool. Yeah. So I was so excited about drain gardens. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I think that's a very, very, very cool idea. Yeah, absolutely. There you go. So that's, that's my, that's my two cents. So there we go. Awesome. Well, let it let us know what what other ideas um, all our listeners have come up with, or, or things that you do to help reduce our carbon footprint. Hello, friends and fans. <laughs> <laughs> Hetty. Hey, hi, Hetty. Hello, hello. It's Patterson. Yes. Patterson? Yes, it is. It is all three. It's all of us in the third. Hi, Hetty. Hello. Wow, you sound stoned. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> What's I'm, going on at your house? <laughs> I'm frozen. You're what? Frozen. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I hear, I hear it's not good there. Were you aware that it was snowing in April? Yes, <laughs> I have heard that. I want to go back to Florida now, please, and thank you. Yeah. <laughs> well, at least you're being very nice and polite. I don't yeah. see why your servant just doesn't put you on the jet and bring you back. <laughs> I know. Many of us wonder why she is so rude. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, maybe she's got to do some things first. Maybe you'll go tomorrow. Mm-hmm. I've heard that for a few days now. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> I'm not sure how to answer that. So I'm going to redirect this with a question. And this is a perfect time to ask you this. So, Hedwig, if you were a movie star, who would you be? Glenn Close. <laughs> I was thinking of the other one, the stabbing one. Oh, yeah, I was going to say that. Well, there's hmm, maybe before Hetty's time. Oh, um, or she was also Cruella DeVille. Oh, that's true. So, no, okay, so 
liaison with John Malkovich. Okay, so do you have a favorite movie, Hetty, with uh, Glenn Coase in it? Dangerous Liaison with John Malkovich. Oh, it's called Dangerous Liaison. Okay, well, I think I'm going to have to watch that. Oh, it's quite excellent. There are many wonderful lines that we should all remember forever. We could. Maybe that Can you could quote be... one? Yes, quote yes. one. I practiced detachment. I would put a fork in my hand under the table and continue to converse with a smile on my face. <laughs> okay. Well, there you, there you go, Tig. You asked. You got it. <laughs> it I, I, I wouldn't have gone for that one. I, I yeah. wasn't. Yeah. I didn't see that one coming. Well, there we didn't ask you. We didn't ask you the question. We asked her. I mean, I didn't expect that that would be her answer. Gotcha. <laughs> okay. Well, that's um, that's I. Th- so we're gonna have to watch that movie for sure. Yes. And I think that that's an interesting. What was the uh, one where she was the stalker? Oh, that was um. The one with the bunny. Yes. Yes. Dangerous oh. white female, I believe. No single white female. No, no, no. not the other. It's there was a real big hit one. Um, big with, hit. With, Michael Douglas. Yeah, Michael Douglas was in it, and she stood there with the knife and was cutting. Oh, her leg. she was in the bathtub. Yeah, hiding. Yeah. Oh, that was that was a good one. What was that called? Fatal Attraction. Fatal That's attraction. it. Yeah, Fatal Attraction. Okay, well, you've picked a you've picked a good one, Hetty. Thank you for that. I'll be having nightmares all night. Yep, there you go. But it's, it's not cold. <laughs> well, well, thank you, Hetty. We'll all uh, learn some lines from that movie, and then we'll we'll get together again, and we'll we'll all have a good line for you. I look forward to hearing your recitation. <laughs> <laughs> and Uh-oh. stay warm, Hetty. Yep, stay warm. Bye. Bye. And we're now at the Tigopedia portion of our show as we are going to rename it Talking with Tigs. (laughs) 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 It's just fun to say that. We may, we may not. It just depends on my mood. Um, we, um, I've had recently had a lot of questions as the summer grass or spring grass is coming in. Um, and we, of course, recently did some stuff about cushions is the differences between understanding insulin resistance horses or otherwise known as IR uh, and cushions horses or cushions, excuse me, and, and thyroid problems. So... Tigger, my question is: Explain all of that in thirty words or less. <laughs> no, which I it, and it's it's difficult, but not difficult. I mean, there's some they connect in some ways. So, explain that if you would. Okay, so thyroid, um, meaning hypo, slow, mm-hmm. a slow thyroid, is often associated with equine metabolic syndrome or insulin resistance. With Cushing's, so that's, you know, clearly that's affecting thyroid, the thyroid mm-hmm. gland. But right. in Cushing's, it's the pituitary gland. Right. So 
it's it's a lobe of the pituitary gland in horses. It's actually the intermediate lobe. What's interesting is in human and dog Cushing's, it's the anterior lobe of the pituitary. Oh, interesting. Yeah, so it's different from horse. It's different in horses and dogs. And because of the pituitary being affected with Cushing's horses, the horse is not producing enough enough dopamine, the neurotransmitter. So that's why, uh, you know, products like Persen, Perlide, um, they are dopamine helpers. Okay. Okay. In, in insulin resistance or equine metabolic syndrome, when you've got the thyroid involved, Commonly, the medication is Thyro-L, mm-hmm. which is to, you know, stimulate the thyroid gland. Okay. Um, now, I actually find that kelp in a lot of horses works the same way. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you've got the horses that get actually thyroid and Cushing's. Okay. And... Sometimes, you know, people go, oh, my God, how can that be? Well, you've got two different glands involved. So it's re- even though it's not, I will say, common, as in a Cushing's horse doesn't necessarily also have a thyroid problem or insulin resistance. But it, it, it's, it makes more sense that a horse would have two multiple glands involved in, in an imbalance or a disease. Right. So now you can see that it's really not so strange, really. Well, and sometimes, too, in your initial, if you have a horse, you've tested it for cushions, the thyroid can also be off until they get the cushions part of it under control, is what I, is what I understand. Um, yes, ex- yes, exactly. And so you may think initially you have both, but it really indeed is just... Uh, Correct. It's just cushions. cushions. Right. So it really does, uh, you know, and, and of course, uh, for the listeners that aren't familiar with this, you know, this time of year, because the spring grass is coming in, it's very rich and full of a lot of sugar. That's what triggers a lot of this for the horses. And, um, and you'll start to see some, you know, little things. And sometimes it's just, you know, horses getting a little heavier and each year it gets a little bit worse, but then you may notice the horse may colic a little bit, or they, um, start to feel too stiff when you start start them out riding and then it eventually gets better. But those are all little signs, um, that there may be having, you know, having some trouble with grass. I have a horse right now that we just decided to limit the grass. It's amazing. It is, is time out on the grass and you can do that obviously through a muzzle, um, or you can put them on a dry lot and give them their hay. Um, because it's always better to obviously have your horse out as much as possible. Um, but the difference it's made in his body reacting to all that sugar, it's, kind of interesting and you know here it's going to be like this for about um you know 24 more hours and it's going to be 103 days i'm sure of it (laughs) but um you know in other parts of the country it doesn't burn the grass doesn't burn down as quickly so um well that was very helpful tigger thank you and one thing that i want to mention is that we can't cure cushings Mm. okay but it is a well managed condition Right. Through, through medication and sometimes easily just diet. Well, yes. Yeah. Diet's a big factor. Diet is a huge factor for both. Yes. Insulin resistance and Cushing's. Right. 
And don't let your horses get fat. That's the big thing. Well, a horse can get Cushing's and not be fat. True. There are skinny Cushing's horses. But that's just not normally as common, right? Well, what a lot of times what I've seen happen is the fat Cushing's horse, as as the disease progresses during their lifetime, then they start becoming the skinny Cushing's horse where you have to start putting weight on them, but obviously not with high sugar and starch. Right. That's interesting. Hmm. Yeah. That was the, the only experience I've had with it. We had one horse. It was the same thing. He was, he was always the chunky horse that you had to be careful of not too much grass, you know, be careful about his diet and things like that. But he did at that time, pergolide was not a, nobody ever heard of it. You know, you just dealt with the diet. He became the skinny horse. Yeah. Yeah. And luckily, mm. luckily for him, about the time he started to get to be the skinny horse, Pergolide became available and we were yeah. able to put him on treatment. And it did help him at that point. But at that point, it was, it was advanced. You know, he'd had it for years and yeah. years and years, but there wasn't a whole lot we could do about it. Um, and it's a little scary because if you're unsure which one it is, it's like, you know, you kind of got to get him tested. <laughs> You've yeah. got to get him tested. You know? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, there, yeah, because there obviously there's some similarities in the in how you would deal with it, but it's it's important to know why, and what you're dealing with. Yeah, and well, you good. certainly wouldn't want to be giving pergolide to an insulin resistant horse. Yeah, I mean, if that's the problem, not <clears throat> not it's not a dual diagnosis, but you know, and you wouldn't want to be giving kelp to a cushing source, probably. Why is that? Well, because the thyroid really isn't involved. It's pituitary. It's the dopamine. It's the neurotransmitter that you need to to support. Right. Okay. Well, there you go. Lots of good information. Time with Tiggy. And now we're at Critter Nutrition. And I've written a really long article called The Great Debate. The NSC versus glycemic index for measuring sugar and starch for horses. I, I'm not going to be sharing the entire article because, as I said, it it is long. So f- feel free to go to biostarus.com, go to our articles section, and you will see the article there. Again, it's called The Great Debate. More and more horse owners are looking for feeds and forages with low starch and sugar content for easy keepers, insulin-resistant horses, and horses afflicted with Cushing's disease, PSSM, RER, and the risk of developmental OCD from hyperglycemia and hyperinsulinemia. Not long ago, a feed company claimed that the glycemic index was a better measurement of starch and sugar in horse feed than the standard laboratory measurement known as NSC, non-structural carbohydrates. NSC is the sum total of starch, plus water-soluble carbohydrates, and includes the subset category, ethanol-soluble carbohydrates, which include simple sugars and fructans. The problem is, as of now, there is no standardized version of the glycemic index for horses, and using the human model disregards the specialized forage-eater digestive systems of equines. 
Of additional concern for Cushing's horses and IR horses is that the starch percentage of feed and forage is critical to reducing the onslaught of inflammation that leads to elevated hoof pain and laminitis. These horses need to have a combined starch and ESC content no higher than 10%. According to analytical services provider Dairy One, the average starch content of oats over the years 2000 to 2016 was 43.8%, way too high for metabolic horses. In that same time period, the starch content of alfalfa pellets was 2.19%. As you can see, the starch content of alfalfa is considerably lower than oats. History of the glycemic index. The glycemic index was identified and developed by Dr. David Jenkins and colleagues at the University of Toronto in 1981 as part of research on which foods were best for people with diabetes. The glycemic index is a relative ranking of carbohydrates in foods according to how they affect blood glucose levels. The current validated methods use white bread as a reference food, giving it a glycemic index of 100. For humans, foods with an index of 55 or less are classified as low GI and include beans, flax seeds, pumpkin seeds, most vegetables, some whole intact grains, and many fruits. Medium GI are in the range from 56 to 69 and include sucrose, basmati rice, unpeeled potatoes, grape juice, ice cream, bananas, and sweet potatoes. High GI foods are above 70 and include glucose, dextrose, grape sugar, high fructose corn syrup, white bread, white rice, cornflakes, maltodextrin, extruded breakfast cereals, etc. But there are variances. Published glycemic index values from different studies reflect different testing methods, different experimental time periods, and different portions of food. Also, the methods of testing postprandial glycemia in humans have varied. Some testing procedures used capillary blood samples and others used venous blood draws. There are wide variations in the same food tested. Rice and carrots can have a large range of glycemic index values, which may be due to growing conditions, soil fertility, the use of chemical fertilizers, and methods of harvesting. Not all carrots are alike. The glycemic index applied to horse feed. Only a few studies have done have been done on the application of the glycemic index to ingredients in horse feeds. Different studies assign different glycemic values to common feed ingredients, with the baseline being oats at 100, similar to the baseline in the human glycemic index of white bread at 100. In the studies, the testing and evaluation of glucose and insulin response varied based on time of blood sampling withdrawal, as well as cortisol influence and the small sampling of horses tested. For example, two recent glycemic indexes, one by Equimed, one by Kentucky Equine Research. For instance, Equimed glycemic index on corn is 112.60. Kentucky Equine Research is has corn at 90. The fiber conundrum. In human nutrition, it is believed that fiber, soluble and insoluble, as part of food has a beneficial effect on sugar metabolism, which is why many fruits and some whole grains fall under the low glycemic index category. This is one of the arguments an equine feed company makes for abandoning the NSC percentage as a measuring standard. Does dietary fiber alter glycemic load in horses? The answer is... We don't know.
A study published in 2006 titled Glycemic and Insulemic Response to Dietary Carbohydrates in Horses looked at the effect of dietary fiber on plasma glucose and insulin concentration. The hypothesis was that different dietary fiber compositions would alter postprandial glycemic and insulemic index of test meals. Their conclusion, quote, meals with different fiber composition did not affect the glycemic and insulinemic index in horses when fed at the levels used in the present experiment, end quote. Meanwhile, researchers from Germany's Institute for Animal Nutrition, University of Veterinary Medicine, Hanover, Germany, concluded, quote, the modifying effect of dietary, dietary fiber on glycemic index seems to be overestimated in horses. Complex diets and glycemic index needs further clarification, end quote. From the same study um, presented at the European Equine Nutrition and Health Congress, March 17th through 18th in 2006 at Ghent University in Belgium, quote, a simple index is needed that could help in the development of nutritional recommendation for horses for specific issues such as insulin resistance, laminitis, or exercise performance. However, it appears that the glycemic index cannot serve as the only such criterion as it is considerably influenced by several factors. Consumption rate, nutrient composition and gastric emptying, especially in the case of mixed feeds. Furthermore, a standardized methodology and methodology should be developed for the estimation of glycemic index in feedstuffs for horses to make it possible to compare the results of different research groups, end quote. Starch and digestibility. For metabolic horses and easy keepers, the starch and sugar content, including fructans of feed and hay, is elemental in the management of these equines. Some horses are so sensitive to starch that more than 5% starch content can increase foot soreness. Typical grains fed to horses, corn, oats, barley, are digested in the small intestine, but horses don't produce as much of the digestive enzyme amylase as, for example, pigs do. So the starches travel to the hindgut. This can cause a buildup of lactic acid, changing the pH of the hindgut and leading to a release of endotoxins that are risk factors for laminitis. Several studies have shown that corn has a lower small intestinal starch digestibility than oat starch or barley starch. However, other studies indicated that starch digestibility was not different between corn, oats, and barley. Using the glycemic index average from the few studies on horses, we can take a rough average and see that oats at 100, corn at 105, and barley at 95 are all too high on the index to be fed to metabolic horses and easy keepers. Using the non-structural carbohydrate numbers from Dairy 1, we can see that the average of the starch content of oats is 43.8%, for barley 54.3%, and for corn 69.3%. Again, all way too high for easy keepers and metabolic horses. But if we use the human glycemic index on these particular grains, we get a slightly different picture. Remember, low glycemic is 55 or below, Medium is 56 to 69, and high is 70 plus. Here's how the grains are rated on the human glycemic index. Oats, 58. Barley, 66. Corn, 53. This is from the International Table of Glycemic Index and Glycemic Load Values. In 
A 2013 study published by S.R. Bailey and N.J. Bamford, the authors noted that, quote, it is important to note the breed type when considering the likely metabolic effects of dietary carbohydrate because there are major differences between the thoroughbred type and some other breeds of horses and ponies. Relative glycemic index or glycemic load may be useful in predicting peak plasma insulin, but carbohydrates such as starch and fructans may have particularly marked effects on insulin sensitivity. This is just another scientific example of why NSC is so important. To manage these horses, we must know the sugar and starch content of feeds and forage. Non-structural carbohydrates are the major source of energy for grazing animals. The NSC analysis is necessary to screen for elevated NSC percentage in the feeds and forage that are consumed by horses. To manage easy keepers and the various metabolic diseases, knowing the NSC is essential. Is there a place in the management of horses for the glycemic index? Yes, but we need much more research to establish a standardized index. We cannot blindly apply the human glycemic index to feed and hay. A specific standardized glycemic index for horses could be applied as a useful tool in the toolbox in addition to NSC percentage. But until science and research provides more glycemic index answers for horses, testing hay and feed for NSC for the NSC number is a reliable and established scientific protocol. Real horses and real dogs are healthier, perform better, and recover more quickly on real food. That's why Biostar empowers horse and canine owners with 100% whole food nutrition, supplements, and feeding programs. Biostar products are made at their own certified non-GMO facility in Gordonsville, Virginia, using real fruit ingredients that are raw, freeze-dried, or dehydrated, never cooked, and are free from artificial flavors, colors, soy, corn, wheat, and molasses. The Biostar product line includes a wide range of whole food, horse and dog supplements, treats, and unique artisan poultices that embrace the ancient and traditional uses of clay and plants. Visit BiostarUS.com today and learn about whole foods and canine and equine nutrition so you can make the best decisions about the care and health of your horses and dogs. That's BiostarUS.com. Whole food nutrition the way nature intended. And now we're at Coffee Clatch, and we're going to talk about the unusual things we feed our horses and dogs. And I'm going to start off by saying that actually my dogs don't eat anything unusual except <laughs> we're spending the winter with Hedwig. Mm. And then because Hedwig eats pizza and Chinese food, <laughs> my dogs get to partake. <laughs> Did they like it? Oh, my God. They thought pizza was about the best thing ever. That is so funny. Because we don't have pizza in this house. Right. This is a pizza-free zone, Chinese food zone free. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So. Well, you know what uh, Hedwig would say. That's just no fun. It's a no fun zone is what it, she would say. Exactly. <laughs> it's the health zone. Yeah. Yeah. She doesn't like it when the servant goes away and I have to be, I have to take care of her because then it's only healthy food. There's yeah, no, I'm sure, she, I'm sure no she's junk. like. Yeah, no jug. This sucks. So, so what unusual things do you feed your dogs, though? Anything so, the dogs really, you know, they they just get 
pretty normal. I mean, some things might be unusual in that people might not think about feeding, um, you know, acorn squash and yeah. But I, I I'm actually a little bit more wild with the horses. Oh. Well, yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, summer squash, not cooked, of course, just sliced or diced. Oh wow. Fresh, you know, and they like it crunchy, zucchini, uh, uh, you know, watermelon, pumpkin, uh, kiwi fruit. Oh that's, wow! Yeah, that's a really real popular one. Um, that's what I mean about being a little wilder with the dogs. I'm a yeah. little more careful with fruits, and I don't have any metabolic horses, so I'm not so, you know, worried. And I don't give them like a whole watermelon. Say, hey, right. here. Um, but I think it's good to give them, you know, something different and I'm, I, you know, I'm not, I wouldn't be giving them, you know, Cheetos or. Uh-oh. Right, right, right. Yeah. Uh-oh. <laughs> Uh-oh. Yeah. Uh-oh. If you got to change my list, I'll be right back. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Jennifer, what was on the Doritos? Well, Glory will eat any prepackaged salty snack food. That's pretty funny. She loves, if we're sitting on the couch eating a snack food, piece of junk food, Doritos, popcorn, she has to join the fun. Um, but she has a real thing for popcorn. Really? Or, not, or pumpkin, popcorn, pumpkin. Uh, oh, yeah. You got me started on the pumpkin thing because when we were talking about um, foods to feed different types of dog for the warming and cooling foods and stuff, I, yep. I tried giving her pumpkin a couple times. And she, it it gets her going. If I get out the jar of pumpkin from the refrigerator, she's dancing up and around, spinning in circles for her little teaspoon full of pumpkin. So <laughs> oh, wow. I'm blaming you. Loves her pumpkin. So so glad I, I could help. Yeah. And it's good for her gut. Good for yeah. tummies. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. It's good for her tummies. Because she, she, she loves popcorn and, and salty snack foods, but she doesn't jump up and down for them. Wow. Yeah. Oh, so so the, the pumpkin causes... Yes, eruptions of greyhound happiness. Joy. Yeah. Joy. Oh, that's so funny. And what funny things or interesting things do you feed the horses? Well, let's see here. Um, Nigel has a penchant for cantaloupe and what's the green one? That melon that's green. Oh, honeydew. And honeydew, honeydew. melons. Honeydew. He likes I love melons. Honeydew. In, yeah. in, in small quantities, he'll only eat two pieces, but he really enjoys those two pieces. Uh, he loves almonds. Oh, oh yeah, funny. that's a, a really big favorite. And, and he mints. He likes sweet striped mints, but not <laughs> what's what's the disc shaped one? He doesn't like the disc shaped one. Oh, starlets. He doesn't like starlights. He likes sweet that's stripes. Right, yeah. Um, oh, that's funny. Yeah, and Scooter, who's a garbage gut pony, uh, he loves himself some oranges. Mm-hmm. And I just discovered the other day I had some salad mix that was reaching the end of its usefulness and I tossed it in his stall and he really likes spring mix and arugula. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. Yeah, that is funny. My <laughs> horses won't touch lettuce. See, I've tried to get him to eat lettuce before. It's got to be spring arugula. mix and arugula. There you go. It's iceberg, no. Butter, no. <laughs> nope. No. There we go. That's so funny. And no romaine. No romaine. No. Not. No I don't romaine. think I've ever tried to even have a horse eat any type of lettuce that I can think of. A boarder I had a long, long time ago worked at a restaurant, and when they clean out the salad bar at the end of the night, she would bring home everything, all anything oh, raw wow. vegetable, and she'd just pour it in their bucket and they'd eat it. 
Oh, that's so funny. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. What Crazy. Do, What do your guys eat? Well, I mean, I, I haven't done anything that unusual in a while, but um, as far as the horses for a while, um, and a lot of this is always stems from stuff that Tigger said. So let's just pretend We're she's blaming not Tigger again. Okay. Yeah. Blaming Tigger. Well, I, for a while I was um, doing a lot of juicing, which I really enjoyed. And I would take all the pulp, all the, the stuff that was left, I guess you call it pulp yeah. and um, bring it. Love that. Oh my oh gosh. My it God. was just, just like, they just truly love that. So that was fun. fun. And I would, I did occasionally try to get the dogs to eat that too. And I'd have carrots and ginger and um, cucumbers and apples and stuff and like that, that really like that. Um, But um, you know, my, of course, like tangerines, um, the horses will eat or bananas. I've got a couple of horses that love bananas. Yeah. And like the peel and the the whole night. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. I have some peel eaters and some non peel eaters, but um (laughs) Yeah, it's kind of funny. Um, Stu used to, I mean, I used to try to get him to eat a banana because Tigger told me to have him eat bananas. And, um, but he, it, he after he was, I was done riding, I'd always give him his carrots where the stall, the wash stall was right in front of the lounge where the carrots are. And if you even took a step towards the door, you know, he's sitting there with his head up, ready to paw. So I'd have to give him his banana first because he didn't really like the texture of it. And then the carrot. But you couldn't even show him the carrot. You had to give him the banana, yeah. kind of fake him out. Yeah. And then, you know. And he's going to he's gonna finish that that banana just so he can get to the carrot. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. and if you if you go in there too quickly to get the, the carrots out, they'll spit the banana yep. out. You know, kind of like I know what's coming. You're um, going to eat those peas or you're not getting dessert. Yep. That's yeah. right. Yeah. So that's kind of the only weird things that I, I, I've always been super cautious, um, with my dogs other than like their normal stuff. Um, again, unless Tigger said, yes, you can give them like, you know, for a while there, I was making my own, my own dog food. Um, when we were in Rutgersville, Tigger, I remember I was stewing all that stuff together. Like you, you this is a long time ago. And that was fun. Cause I'd put peas and carrots and all sorts. Of, and I always felt like I was making something good and they love that. I just had too many dogs to do it on a daily basis. Um, but that's kind of all I've ever really done. But I like all those other ideas. They're cause I I never would have thought of giving um horses the other type of melons, like other than watermelon. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Can I have a question for Tigger? Yes. Plain old boring green peas like you buy in the frozen section at the grocery store. Would horses be able to eat those? Well, technically, yes especially if they're frozen. I don't think they'd like it all soft and, and squishy. I wouldn't want to give like a horse a canned cooked. pea. Ew. People shouldn't Ugh, even have disgusting. people shouldn't even have, be allowed to eat those. Yeah. Um they make My great horses bait for will fish. not eat peas that are in like I bought a bag of of peas, field peas from New Country Organics cuz I wanted to, you know, it's got good protein mm-hmm. and it's getting more popular so they said absolutely not. Interesting. Well, see, now I'm hmm. going to test it. I need to test to see if any of our horses will eat eat a frozen pea. Glory won't. She, she if there are peas in there, she eats all around them, and they're left in the bottom of the bowl. But if you squish the peas up, she eats them. Oh, that's interesting. Now, I I do put split peas if I'm making um, cooked a cooked meal. I'll pour some split peas into the slow mm-hmm. cooker mm-hmm. 
And then and because they're already split, they kind of turn into just sort of a green. Yeah, and there's no hull on a split pea that's been right. removed. Mm-hmm. It's just the right. it's just the nummy the nummy smooth creamy parts in the middle. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Can you tell I like split peas? Yeah. <laughs> I, that got me I got a bag of those in the cupboard. I got to do something with those. Hmm. Okay. So there we go. Um, so if the other, I want to hear about some more. To keep in mind are things for dogs and horses that you can do both, like blueberries, strawberries. Again, mm. not for metabolic horses and not for dogs that are overweight. But for all the others, um, you know, the berries are really such super antioxidant foods. I never would have thought of blueberries. Oh, my God. They love them. Really? Interesting. Oh. I, I eat blueberries every single day. You do? Yeah, I love blueberries. A half a cup every single day. I love my blueberries. Well, they're supposed to be good for memory. I need to eat four cups then. I need to up my intake. I need need 10. So I need Mm. to start giving them to to Nigel so that from Monday to Thursday, he remembers that he really can pick up his right lead. It will help his memory. See? I'm doing it. There you go. There you go. I'm doing it. Oh, that's so funny. Remember, Patty, we used to make that antioxidant yes. smoothie mm-hmm. that had the blueberries and yep. strawberries in it. Yep. Do you remember how dedicated Hannah was to that oh when she was gosh. in the, yeah. Yeah. It's not and hard to dedicate yourself to strawberries oh, totally. and blueberries. Yeah. Not hard at all. What's that? It's not hard to book, to dedicate yourself to bro- strawberries and blueberries. No. It's not hard. It's a pretty easy one. And if you do, if you are a juicer or you want to get into juicing for your own health, the, the leftover fiber your dogs and horses will love it. Yep. And that my big thing was I always was I was just in the beginning of juicing. I was like, oh my gosh, I'm wasting all of this. And uh um and you have a great place to um you know utilize it and the animals love it. Yeah. They or love if, it. If you don't have that capability, put it in your compost heap. There you go. Mm-hmm. Yep. yep. Exactly. See, there we go. Or feed it to your chickens. Or feed it to your chickens. Or feed it to your chickens, the chicks I'm going to get. There we go. Well, we want to hear about the fun, interesting, and useful things that you feed to your pets, horses, families. And where would they go to tell us about that, Tigger? They would go to HealthyCrittersRadio.com or on our Facebook page, Healthy Critters Radio. Dun-da-da! 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 <laughs> Thanks for listening, everyone, and thanks to our sponsor, Biostar US. You can find them online at biostarus.com. Get the Horse Radio Network phone app on iOS or Android by searching for Horse Radio Network in the App Store. It's free and easy to use. For details about today's show, go to healthycrittersradio.com, where you can find links, photos, and more information about our guests. As always, we love your feedback. Please follow us on Facebook under Healthy Critters Radio. Be sure to visit all the great shows on Horse Radio Network at horseradionetwork.com. Love your dog. Hug your horse. Feed your chickens. Clean your litter box. Dance with your goat. Slither with your snakes. Howl at the moon. Hang with your hamster. Party with your parrot. Waddle with your walrus. Outwit your otter. Cuddle your cows. Rap with your raptor. Go chipping with your chipmunks. Forgive your fox. While hedging your hog. We also recommend that you rack with your raccoon. Gyrate with your giraffe. Meditate with a meerkat. Uber with your orangutan. Facebook with your flamingo. 
Ponder with your panda. Walk with your wookie. Yawn with your yak. Twitter with your toucan. Go raining with your reindeer. Dropbox your dragon. (laughs) 